Welcome to Life 360 with Tim Jacobs. Get ready for your 30-minute shot of non-stop discussion about the issues that matter most on the journey of following Jesus. Life 360 with Tim Jacobs takes you to the intersection of faith and life, gospel and culture, and helps you make sense of it all. Now, here's your host, Tim Jacobs. Good afternoon, Valley of the Sun. Tim Jacobs here. Welcome to Life 360 with Tim Jacobs. Your 30-minute wide with God, your spiritual Zumba class, trampoline aerobics for your soul. Broadcasting from the brand new 1280KXEG, the Trumpet Studios here in Phoenix on a cloudy day, but a nice day. Nice and cool. A little break from the heat. By the way, my voice, some of you are thinking, what is wrong with that guy's voice? He should not be on the radio. He sounds like Nick Nolte chewing on a beer bottle. But let me tell you something. I just, I'm sick. I can't, I, I have to admit it. So it made its way from my head down to my throat. So I sound terrible, but that's okay because I've got a guest in studio today who's going to carry a lot of it. And it's going to be an amazing show today because we're going to do something that you're not hearing a whole lot of people do. Now, listen, by the way, I'm only on for a half an hour once a week, Tuesdays at 4 o'clock from 4 to 4.30. So you've got to carve this time out of your schedule. Drop whatever you're doing. The kids aren't going to starve. You can just set it aside and tune in. But I would really love to be on for an hour. So if you would like to say, you know what? I want to help Life360 with Tim Jacobs get on for not just a half hour, but for an hour. I'm looking for advertisers. So if you're interested in that and you say, you know what? I'd like to I'd like to hear the sound of this grungy guy's voice advertising my business. You can call us at 602-368-3776, and we can talk to you about advertising, and we can uh, see what we can do. But I'm confident that there's big plans for the show as we move ahead. By the way, if you want to listen to any previous shows, just simply go to timjacobslive.com. That's the podcast site. You can get podcasts of any of the previous shows that I've done. I've only done four this is, I think, my fourth or fifth show. But I am the pastor of Compass Church in Goodyear, Arizona. If you don't have a church and you have, you have this desire to try one out, you've got to come out to the Wild West Valley, Goodyear, Arizona, and it's compasschurchaz.com is the website. So check us out there. You can watch a video of me preaching. Uh, so you can say, who is this guy? You can figure that out. You can see everything that we do on the website there. Also want to let you know, if you want to watch this, um, go to 1280kxcg.com and you can find the studio cam. We are even video streaming. So just want to let you know about that. Again, the number is 602-368-3776. Now today, everyone's mind is still on Ferguson. And so what we're going to do today is something that I just haven't seen anybody else do. I've heard a lot of, well, not necessarily screaming and yelling, but a lot of talking over each other, a lot of people entrenched in their opinions about what happened with the decision that came out last week and the ensuing riots and all of the challenges there. But you know what no one is doing? No one is really sitting down and saying, can we just talk about what's really going on here in a way that's constructive? Everybody's setting out for confrontation. There aren't a whole lot of people concerned about reconciliation. So in studio, I have with me my friend, who is also a pastor, who is also a professor in the religion department at Grand Canyon University. His name is Andre Mooney, and Andre is an African-American. And you, I can prove that to you if you go to the website, and you can watch us on Ustream, and you can see for yourself. We have a white guy, 
and an African-American in studio today to talk Ferguson. Andre, how are you today, man? Man, I am doing excellent, brother. Good to be here. It's great to have you here. And I am excited about what this is because we were talking on the way over about this, really trying to even model for other people the fact that you can have people of two different races, two different ways of looking at things, sit down and just try to come to a place of understanding. See, my contention and what this show is all about is that the gospel of Jesus Christ is really the only thing that can solve the social problems that we have. It's not going to be some government program. It's not going to be locking yourself away in your neighborhood. It's not going to be putting your hands over your ears and saying, there's no way that I'm going to deal with this, but really taking time to engage one another, but do it through the person of Christ. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said that whenever I go, whenever I talk to any person, especially another believer, I go through Christ before I get to that person. And that's what we want to do today. Now, Andre, I want to just, I, I want to ask you questions. You know, we want to have a discussion here, but my desire is to be able to sit down with someone who's African-American who looks at the situation at Ferguson. And my, my, my goal today is just, to, I want to listen to you. I want to hear your take on the story because here's the thing. My, my biggest question is this, as I was looking at this story and, and seeing the images on TV and how it's become political and the media is getting involved with this so much. But as I saw articles and responses coming out from many different people, one of the questions that hit me was why are there very rational, normal, godly, well-educated, intelligent people who can look at this issue and see it so very, dif very differently than I do? So for example, I, I tend to look at what happened in Ferguson with the shooting of Michael Brown by Officer Darren Wilson. I see that so much more as an incident that's just isolated. You know, it's just something that happened. It was a tragedy. It's a terrible thing. But it's between those guys and law enforcement and the investigators to figure out. I just saw it as an isolated incident. But as I begin to read articles from, from various African-American leaders, especially in the evangelical Christian world, they see it as something much different. And I'm saying, asking myself, why do we see these things so very different? And so, Andre, I guess the first question I want to ask you is, as an African-American, can you help me understand the mindset of those who are taking this case very personally, who are seeing it rather than just as an isolated incident, but as an example of what perhaps might be called systemic injustice or an example of things that have happened for a long time. Help us, help me understand that. Well, first, let me start off by saying that the comments and opinions that I have are my own and they're in no reflection that of GCU. Um, but I, I enjoy that you asked the question. I think when we think about systemic, what we're talking about is, is from a black or an African-American perspective is, is we're talking about an experience. Whenever we see any kind of uh, hate crime or uh, crime on dealing with race or color, the, the oppressed, if you will, can directly tie that with something that happened in their day. And so when I see a young man who's 18 or 17, African-American young man who um, life is cut short by a person who is of another ethnicity, I immediately go back to my days when I would walk the streets and authority figures would approach me and say that I fit a profile. So what you're saying is that it's not, it's more than just looking at the incident itself that you're saying many in the African-American community are putting themselves in the shoes of Michael Brown. Maybe even if maybe they might even admit that say, you know what, maybe he's guilty. Maybe he shouldn't have robbed the store. Maybe he shouldn't have charged the officer as the facts come out and it seems like apparently that's what happened. But it's bigger than that to them. 
right? It's bigger than that to you. That that would be a good assessment because immediately when you see this kind of a situation play itself out, the initial response is anger. Here we go again. Haven't we seen enough of this? Mm. We go back to the Rodney King issue. We go back to all of the things that we've seen in history where we see these kinds of crimes one race on another race. Mm-hmm. And then the question always becomes is, is, so what are we going to do about it? Well, historically, what have we seen happen in these situations? Rioting. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you don't agree with the riots. I don't think any violence is the answer, to be honest with you. I think that further perpetuates the situation. Right. And so you're, you're saying people like yourself, you would put yourself in the, in the place. You see that violence. And even though, again, it's something that you see it's beyond just simply what happened. It's, it's a larger issue. So let me ask you this, Andre. And you and I were talking. And again, you have to understand the relationship Andre have because we're friends. Um, we're brothers. We joke around. And, and we're big on the fact that we're different, right? Amen. I mean, you and I aren't the same. That's right. And, and everybody's trying. We were talking about this too. Everyone wants everybody to be the same and ignore the diversity that's God, that God's made. But if there's diversity, Andre, that means there's going to be things I'm going to have to learn about you. Amen. That's a fair assessment. And likewise, there are things that I can learn about you. Right, right. And, and just because my perspective may be a certain way, it doesn't mean that I have a full handle on the truth. And I think it really starts with humility approaching the situation. So let me ask you this, because again, I trust your judgment. Um, I, I know, I've known you. Um, you and I have a lot in common in terms of our faith and everything else, but you and I have had different experiences throughout life. Um, you, you've had, tell me, tell me about your experience with law enforcement. It's kind of interesting because I noticed um, a change when it came to authority figures when I became a teenager, when I got a little bit bigger, if you will, when I became a little bit more preeminent as far as walking confident, if you will. Um, when I was younger, didn't really worry about those things, but I remember quite a few scenarios in my life in my teenage years between the ages anywhere from 15 to about 22 where it just seemed like the authority figures had it out for me. Uh, whether it's being pulled over for no reason, driving a car. Um, when I was younger, I drove a, a nicer car. Um, that could have been an issue. Or whether it be walking down the street. But one issue in particular that stands out to me, and it's an issue that I use when I raise my children as well because I think it speaks to the greater issues that we're talking about here as it relates to stereotyping and all that other good stuff. I remember um, one spring break, I was at an airport, and, and me and my roommate and his brother were there. I'm obviously, as you said, African-American. My roommate was Hispanic from Panama, and his younger brother was there. And I remember that there were some issues with weather, inclement weather, and we had a couple connection flights to make, and our flight was late. And so as he's talking to his mom, because we were going to uh, travel to the uh, Tampa area for that week to enjoy the spring break, as college kids do, he said to his mom, and I quote, I'm so upset that I can blow this place up. Mm. No sooner than he said that, within five, ten minutes, we were surrounded by off-duty cops. We were split up and we were taken to separate places. Okay, this is where it gets interesting. As we were taken to our separate places, they, for an hour and a half, began to question us to the nth degree about our purpose, where we were going, why we were going. Now, what I have learned in my dealings with cops is, is number one, that they are the authority. And so for me, for my own safety, I'm always going to acquiesce and be the more humble in that situation. Mm -hmm. But I got to tell you, there are some times in my life, Tim, when I want to ask the question, what did I do now and why are you bugging me? Mm. But I know that if I take that posture, that could inflict harm to myself or to whoever is with me. But let me ask you this, though, 
about that story because you said that your friend said, "Well, I'm going to blow that. I could blow this place up. That's I'm correct. so mad." Do you think that they, that the that the police got involved in that situation because of what he said, or do you think it was directed because of your skin color? Man, that's a good question. I think it was directly what he said. So the old adage that Big Brother's always listening that reigns true, but I think that the line of questioning that took place thereafter, as we were separated, I think that might have played to something else. Mm-hmm. And so that's where my issue is. Another another example: walking down the street with some friends. You have a cop car come and, and does one of those Starsky and Hutches. I'm kind of dating myself. One of those Starsky and Hutch skids, yep. right? Yep. And then all of a sudden, they're splitting you up, and they're taking you to both sides of the car, and they're spreading you out and patting you down. And, and of course, being a teenage boy, you're thinking, what's going on? What did I do? Well, you fit a profile. Mm-hmm. And so then right away, you see that there's a, a difference, if you will. There's a projection of what one race thinks about myself as a teenager that way. Andre, with that, and you've got other stories as well, but, you know, that's an experience where you've, and you see, here's the thing. I can't argue the experience. I can't say, well, no, that didn't happen. Or no, your feelings are invalid. That's just what you experienced. That's the narrative. That's right. Okay. So when it comes to Ferguson, what's your reaction to Ferguson? Initially, it was anger. It was like, here we go again. Mm. Um, You ask yourself, what, the 22nd century, and we're still dealing with, these kinds of these kinds of issues mm-hmm. why are we still dealing with them but then that speaks to a, a greater issue right if if we're a part of a society that's that's broken in a sense where we tend to oppress even on our best days oppress another person then we've got to ask ourselves what in the heck is going on mm-hmm. what is going on um i sympathize with these people you sympathize with who i sympathize with th- all of them. I sympathize with the families who have lost their son. Mm-hmm. I sympathize for the pastors that are speaking out because they feel like there's injustice that's going on, which speaks to a greater issue. Although this might be a situation, don't get it twisted. What they're communicating is years of oppression. Mm-hmm. And this is just the opportunity, the tip of the iceberg, if you will, that presented itself where they can come out and share and say, hey, listen, this isn't right. This isn't right. We're talking with Andre Mooney who's a professor at Grand Canyon University, a personal friend of mine, and uh, somebody that, uh, that I've just gotten to know and, uh, and really love as a brother. The phone number is 602-368-3776. If you want to get on the conversation, talk about your reaction to Ferguson. If you have a question for Andre, uh, here's an opportunity for you to, to ask someone who is a Christian, who is an African-American, and who maybe has a different perspective than you. Maybe you have the same perspective as Andre does as well. I'd love to hear from you. So you want to call in, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. Now, Andre, as we're continuing this conversation and how it impacted, how the, the things in the past have impacted you, um, we talk about the structure, all right? And, and so people, so you, I heard someone earlier today on a, on a radio show say, well, maybe this was a bad example, but it's still indicative of a structure. Can you talk about what that structure, what, 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 do, you, what do you mean when you say an oppressive structure? Okay, or an unjust structure. Okay, let me ask. So it was an African-American sharing this perspective? Yes. Okay, so that would go back to the, the, the initial question about the system. There's this ideology um, with minorities that, um, that the sense of justice is, is within an overarching system. It's this idea that um, because of my, the color of my skin that um, 
I don't have some of the same privileges as maybe someone else with a different color of skin. And, and, and because there are those within my race that perpetuate heinous acts on society that I can very easily be stereotyped to the color of my skin, this is where the issue lands itself, mm-hmm. which speaks to a greater issue because now we're talking about whenever there's harm, whenever there's injustice, whenever those, those any malicious behaviors, we're talking about a sin issue from a Christian perspective is what we're talking about. Right. So, so go ahead. Keep going. But what it seems like is, is it seems like what society will do is they'll take a situation. They'll experience the bleeding. They'll seek to put a Band-Aid on it. But in order to put a Band-Aid on it, then you've got to accuse someone for being wrong. Right. And, 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 of, that, and is that the victimization thing? It, it, man, it, it, it's such a fine line, Tim, because yes, it is for the person who's been victimized. But at the same time, at the same time, if we don't go to the greater question, the greater question is, is, okay, number one, why is the person being victimized? Number two, why is there someone doing the victimization? Mm-hmm. So if we, if we come to the premise that we're all broken, then collectively on a level playing field, we can move toward progress. Right. Because whenever there's a victim, then we start to get into entitlement. Mm-hmm. And then when we get into entitlement, the question is, is who determines what appeases the need for entitlement. So let me ask you this. Have you, have you gone through times of your life where you felt like a victim of the system? Wow, that's a very good question. Um, on the onset, absolutely. There have been times. But I didn't stay there. What got you out of that mindset? Where does that progressively go? If I feel like I'm a victim, then I have given away my power. If I've given away my power, then I can do nothing then I entrust whatever it is that's going to come to me from the one that I've given my power to. For example, Tim, if you victimize me and I say, okay, Tim has victimized me and I don't take onus of that scenario or that situation to try to lift myself up, then I'm going to be reliant on you to bring me out of the victimization. Now, I'm not even talking about the point that Maybe what you did was incorrect or not. I'll leave that for somebody else to judge. Mm-hmm. But the point is, the point is, is that if we're going to be on an equal playing field, then when something bad happens, which we know it does, right, sin, then we've got to pick ourselves up and we've got to move forward together. So for you, really, there had to be a spiritual transformation for you. Most definitely. Most definitely. You talked about reconciliation. Right. If, if, if there is no victimization in the sense that we're talking about. If you don't hurt me or if I don't hurt you, where is the beauty of reconciliation? What is a Christian life all about if there's not tension? Mm-hmm. What, is, what is the beauty of diversity? The beauty of diversity is, is that, you know what? We're not alike and we're not going to get along until we rub each other. Well, so let me ask, so, okay, you're right. And we talked about this before. There really is, uh, I think, and I think what a lot of and maybe both races, both right, sides of the equation right. want to do it. But I know a lot of white people, because I'm a white guy, yeah. want to do this. We'd rather, we'd rather really keep the peace than make the peace. Right. We'd rather say, you know what, let me just, I don't want to deal with it because I feel like no matter what I say, I'm going to say something wrong. I'm going to yes. do something wrong. I'm yes. going to make somebody mad. I'm frustrated about this yes. myself. And I, I, you know, they, they get upset because they see the influence of the media. That's right. They see some of these superstar guys that come in like Al Sharpton and come in and try to get everybody ginned up yeah. and, and fired up about this whole thing. That's right. And I think they just, a lot of people just put up their hands and say, I don't want to deal with this. But so let me ask you this. What if, in speaking just to like, uh, you're, you're talking to me, who's a Caucasian, um, and you were, if you were to give me advice to say, 
what do I say? How do I approach the African-American community? How do I approach an African-American person in a way that isn't going to be, uh, that isn't going to just say, well, this is my opinion and I'm not going to change? Or how do, I, how do I get to a place where I can actually engage and be part of the solution? The answer I'm going to give you is so simple that you're going to think um, I'm being facetious. But let me just say it to this, Tim, what we're doing now. Ask the question and mean it. Mm-hmm. You ask me, Andre, what are your thoughts on the Ferguson situation? Now, it's one thing to ask a question to keep a conversation going. Mm-hmm. It's another thing to ask a question to really walk in my shoes, to really experience what I'm experiencing and there to join me in that experience. Right. So as opposed to saying, I want to hear your opinion about it so I can now tell you my opinion and I can figure out why you're wrong. That's right. To say, I just, I want to understand it. And it started off with the question that I asked at the beginning. That's right. Help me understand why you see this so differently. And it's almost like, because it's possible you talk about the book, men are from Mars and women are from Venus. And, and the whole premise of that thought is that there's two people who are creating God's image, who can, who can see a situation, but see it so differently. That's right. And rather than me saying, you know, I need to win you over to my side. Right. Can I just stop for a second and say, I don't understand why you're reacting this way, but I'm not going to say it's wrong. I just want to simply start by understanding because I got to tell you, and I, and I've heard, I've heard this too from, from people who might be on quote unquote my side or, or maybe they're Caucasian or maybe they're more on the conservative side of the right. issue. And they might say, well, you know, these people, they need to get over it. Um, they need to move on. You know, what's done is done and grow up. I even heard someone say grow up. And I'm like, man, right. that just sounds tone deaf to me. Right. It is, isn't right. it? Most definitely. Most definitely. I think that the issue that we have is, is that a lot of times we'll go through the process of reconciliation, but not having the conviction to reconcile. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's no different than putting a Band-Aid on a wound. If we can't figure out what causes the wound... Who cares about the Band-Aid? Right. And the other thing you brought up, too, that I think is so important is when we talk about the difference between pe- keeping the peace and making the peace. And, and you said we're going to have to rub against each other sometimes, which means, are we, Andre, are we not going to have to at sometimes go there where, where I'm going to have to just I, I am going to say something and I'm going to bug you and you're going to have to say, Tim, you know what? That I, you kind of. That bugged me when you said that. But we're so afraid because That's of political right. correctness. That's right. And because we, we have to have a certain set of language right. that we have to remember. It's like being in a foreign country where you don't want to ask for a, a cup of coffee because right. you're afraid of looking stupid. Right. And that's what this, many in the society have done is they've actually right. built up larger walls because, to be honest with you, I'm not trying to offend you. That's right. But, if I, but so, so here's what I do. Instead, I just avoid you. Right, right, right. It, it's so funny you mentioned this way. I just had a conversation with a with a, a gentleman who was who was Caucasian, and he had a question to ask me about this topic, but he prefaced his question by saying, "I don't want to offend you, but let me ask." Mm. Now, let me let me tell you the dynamic that's happening. You have the media, obviously. That's and the media is what it is. It, it's its own animal. It's its own machine. But sensationalism seems to be what a large part of our society likes to gravitate to. They like to pounce. It's a pouncing mentality, a piranha mentality, if you will, like to crush, like to destroy, like to break. Um, but the reality is, is that the paradigm for being politically correct is a false paradigm, because if you have to ask me if you're going to offend me or if you have to give a disclaimer before you ask me a question, then you've already offended me before you've even asked the question. Because if we have a true relationship, you would know that I'm going to respond according to the question how you intend to ask it. Mm-hmm. 
And so, and so when we talk about rubbing each other, if I'm going to do something to you that's going to offend you, or you're going to say something to me that's going to offend me, is not the relationship predicated on growing when we rub each other and realize, wait a minute, that's a sore spot for Tim, or that's a sore spot for Andre. We know that now let's grow together. Exactly. And we should be at the point where we should know each other and trust each other enough to be able to say, hey, we can go there with these things and it's going to be okay. If I, if I say something wrong, I'm not going to lose the friendship. And see, this goes back to what my belief is. And again, I apologize for my crazy voice, but I'm, I really feel strongly about this. Everybody's trying to solve this on the macro level and it's not going to be solved on the macro Amen. level. It's, it's going to be solved on the micro level, doing exactly what you said. And that is that we come together, we have individual conversations right. with each other. That's right. But it takes courage. And I think what's so important is, I, I really believe this, if you're going to be a Christian, you've got to have the courage that being a Christian requires. See, we look at Ephesians chapter 2, and it says that we break, that Jesus Christ breaks down the wall of hostility that exists between the two. And he's given us, it says in 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians, the ministry of reconciliation, reconciliation. not simply between us and God, but between each other. That's right. And, but, but it takes a certain amount of courage. And I want to challenge everybody out there who's listening, and Andre, you can jump on this too, to, to figure out a way to just engage one person who is different from you. Amen. Amen. Yes. And your engagement has to be authentic. Right. It has to be authentic. If you want to ask a question, then you ask it. Right. And we've got to get over this and be ready fear for that, that answer. we have. Yes. Be ready for the answer. And the answer may be totally outside your experience. You may not like that answer. It might really bother you. Hey, listen, Andre, man, I wish we had an hour. Oh, man, this has been I good. wish we had an hour. But I want to tell everybody out there, we can be on for an hour. Amen. But I just want to throw it out there. If you are interested in being a partner with us and being a part of making this show come on for an hour a week. We're just getting started, but I love starting new stuff. I love yeah. things when they're just in their infancy, and that's what this show is. But I tell you, we're going places. Give us a call, 602-368-3776. And in the just remaining few seconds, I want to remind you that, uh, man, be bold, stay strong, never give up, and keep on charging forward because the gospel of Jesus is worth it. And I'm excited. This is Pastor Tim Jacobs. I'm excited about being with you next weekend, or next week, I should say. Hopefully on the weekend at Compass Church as well. But next week, Life 360 with Tim Jacobs. God bless. You've been listening to Life 360 with Tim Jacobs. Make sure you follow Tim on Facebook.com slash Pastor Tim Jacobs or on Twitter at Tim G. Jacobs. Join us again next week at 4 p.m. as we cross the intersection of faith and life, gospel and culture, and get all we can out of the life God has given.